Hey, I'm Dr. Ariana Demers. I'm an orthopedic sports medicine surgeon, and I have successfully integrated orthobiologics into my busy practice so that I can provide a continuum of care and treat patients who are in the gap. The gap is this gray area in orthopedics where standard conservative treatments have not been effective, but surgery may not be warranted. And we usually tell our patients, come back when it's worse. What? These are your patients coming to you for help. Orthobiologics is that solution that can fill the gap and help you treat your patients who are in your office looking to you for help. Orthobiologics can also be an excellent treatment for frustrating problems without good surgical outcomes. This podcast will help you create the orthobiologics business that will make you love your job again. We will focus on the value for the biologics, patient selection, how to talk to your patients about money, office setup, and other logistics. If this is something you've always wanted but don't know where to start, join me in the business of or the biologics podcast. Hello, uh, welcome to the Business of Orthobiologics podcast. My goal is to inspire those surgeons out there who may be considering integrating orthobiologics into their busy sports medicine practice. I see this as the most effective way to get time back in your life while improving your patient care. If you're looking to add PRP to your practice and don't know where to start, you're in the right space. This show examines how one surgeon, Dr. Mark Petropoli, has achieved the holy grail of loving their practice, serving their patients. So if you also want to make more money, less time, have happier patients, and enjoy your life, please join me with Dr. Mark Petropoli in the Business of Orthobiologics podcast. So Mark, hi, thank you so much for joining us. As we were talking earlier, that's a lot of vowels in your last name. So maybe just Dr. P, but if you can kind of share just a very quick overview of what your specialty is, where you trained, how long you've been using orthobiologics in your practice, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for having me on Ariana. I love the Bob. It's great. Good stuff. And, um, Glad to know you uh, in our mastermind group. So yeah, my name is Dr. Mark Petropoli. Dr. P is fine. People call me all kinds of things, but uh, Dr. P is fine. That's probably the most common. And I'm originally from Rochester, New York, and I did my college, medical school, and my residency in Syracuse. So I do bleed orange. And then I was fortunate enough to do a sports medicine fellowship with Dr. James Andrews and Dr. William Clancy down in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, great minds. I mean, Dr. Andrews just retired. He's obviously the goat of all sports medicine surgeons. And, you know, even though he's a very, very busy surgeon, he taught me how to take care of patients and how to actually really not operate on more people than operate on more people. And Dr. Yoakum once said, who the late great Dr. Yoakum, who was the at Curl and Job Clinic and took care of the Rams and the Dodgers and all those teams out in LA. He once said, you know, Jimmy taught us, uh, you know, more about when not to operate than when to operate. So that kind of also leads into my mindset of, yeah, I'm a surgeon, but not always necessarily, you know, wanting to operate. If we can get people better without operating on them. I mean, I've had five surgeries myself. Who wants surgery if you don't need it? So if there's ways that you can get people better in a minimally invasive fashion, which was part of my fellowship there. When I came back to Syracuse, I was the first surgeon to perform arthroscopic rotator cuff repair and nobody did that. And it was like, oh, that's crazy. It's not standard of care. You're crazy. You know, why would you do it that way? 
you know, there's the literature doesn't support it. All the same stuff we hear about PRP and bone marrow and all these things, which isn't true, by the way, for PRP, as you know, there's very high level one and two literature that supports it. But I've always liked being on the cutting edge of things and it's exciting and trying to offer the best treatments for my patients and get them better as minimally invasive, as fast as possible and get them, you know, not only to relieve their pain, you know, restore their function, but to optimize their function. So that's kind of our, our mission statement, the new wave and relieving pain, restoring and optimizing function for the world without limits, like no limits. We're going to explore everything. And so, you know, going back to when I first got involved with this type of treatments, I mean, even back in my fellowship, Dr. Andrews had the, worked with the greatest PT of all time, Kevin Wilk, um, outstanding, although I have my PTs are very close behind him there. But Kevin, outstanding, and he was working with lasers back then already. And then I worked with a trainer called Tommy Craig, who had been with the Blue Jays, and he helped take care of a minor league team with me, and he had laser. I was like, oh, there's something to this. So I was intrigued by all these cutting edge things. I'm a Star Trek fan. So I always thought it would be cool if we could diagnose somebody with something without having to cut into them and then repair them. And I think someday laser and ultrasound waves and sound waves will probably be able to repair a meniscus someday, you know, without having to cut into somebody. But I digress. Point is, I've always kind of been on the cutting edge. So I started doing PRP back in 2008. It's not the same PRP as we do now, as we know, but I did start doing the PRP back then. And after I did my first one, I was like, I got to get an ultrasound machine because I'm not going to do this on a patient. And of course it wasn't covered by insurance. And so if I'm going to do something for someone, I'm going to do it, you know, right in the best of my ability. And so we bought ultrasound back then. And then I brought laser in in 2017. I started doing bone marrow aspirate back in 2017. And we've had, you know, I'm working with Dr. Andrews, physical therapy, athletic trainers. We've had PT in my practice rehab since probably 2006. And so we have a lot of strength and conditioning uh, specialists in our practice as well. So, you know, PT is kind of limited to just working on that one joint most of the time, maybe a little above and below it. We work more on a whole total body fitness type of thing. We call that V-Fit. And then we've recently added genetic-based nutrition and fat and weight loss. So yeah, we love doing everything we can possibly do to get people better without necessarily needing to do surgery. But if we have to do surgery, I do it in as minimally invasive fashion as I can. Cool. So you are in private practice? Yes. Okay. And are you a solo practitioner? Yep. I'm uh, at Victory Sports Medicine and Orthopedics up in Skinny Atlas, New York, which is southwest of Syracuse. And I was in a group my first couple of three years. And then I went out on my own, not necessarily because I wanted to. It's a long story, not probably for the po podcast, but the point being that we get zero business training, as you know, in medical school and residency, zero, none. And so to go out on your own only three or four years into your practice and run, start a business up, I mean, it was it was scary, but I knew some other people who did it. And I'm like, if they can do it, you know, I can do it and you can do it, you know, and I did very, very well doing it because if you take really good care of patients, everything else should take care of itself. But as time goes on, you realize the insurance companies make that hard. Even if you treat patients amazingly, they make it very hard to survive. And so even though I did extremely well initially with just really treating patients well and getting great results, little by little over time, the insurance part of things started to really get to me. Sure, sure. So that kind of leads me to do a couple of questions. Number one, what kind of business training have you had? You said you set up your practice when you first got out and did you have any business training or like you were just winging it? 
School of Hard Knocks. So, okay. I mean, what I did was I partnered with a company out of uh, Chicago called Karen's Upgoing Associates. And they still probably, I think, teach at the AAOS a lot of times, um, a lot of coding. They're really good with coding and all that stuff. But also they have a part of practice consulting, helping set practices up, et cetera. And there's other groups who do that too nowadays, but they are probably the top for orthopedics. And so I partnered with them and they got me a consultant and helped me really get everything set up. I tried to do as much. I had to stick with that group that I was with for a full year before I could leave. So I switched my billing over to MedEnt, which is the EMR that I have. And I was actually the first orthopedist in the area to have EHR back then. And so I was able to collect my patients, have a list of patients already and have a database of patients over that year I had to stay there. I think that was huge. And my billing was able to hit the ground running because I was able to transfer that. So it was one smart thing I did. It might have been luck, but it was a good thing that I did because I wasn't starting with scratch once I left. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when did you get serious about orthobiologics and cash practice? Maybe share a little bit about how much insurance you take, how much cash you take. Yeah, it, it definitely evolved over time. As I said, you know, initially from like 2001 to 2013, it was great. You just treat patients really, really well and you get a lot more referrals and you're going to do well. But as time went on and certain acts got passed by Congress, et cetera, et cetera, and insurance got worse and worse, uh, you start to do math. That just comes down to math and you look at what you're getting reimbursed for the amount of time you're spending. And it becomes, it starts to, you know, it's a problem. But at the time, like in 2013, 2014, 2015, I just felt helpless. Like there's nothing else you can do just keep trying to get more patients in the door and just see more patients and, you know, just pound them through and you have to spend less time with them. And it's, it's not good. But then I knew of some of these other services. And like I said, in 2008, I knew biologics, it's the wave of the future. It's here now. It's only going to massively explode, you know, going forward. But I knew that that was something that was going to be, and I wanted to be on that wave. So I started to do the PRP. And of course we had trouble. No insurance would reimburse it, or they would say they would. And then you might get $25 or something like you just, it wouldn't be worth trying to put it through the insurance. So you had no business training as to how much you should price that at, what you, how you should figure out what your costs are, how much you should charge a patient, how you go about talking to a patient about, hey, this isn't covered by your insurance. You're going to have to pay out of pocket. So the most of the people I was dealing with back then were, either had already heard about it or read about it or contacted me. I wasn't really doing any marketing or anything like that. And But as time went on, I was like, these results are pretty cool. And then, you know, I'm like, what about cells? I mean, the cells are what do the work. I mean, the PRP only stimulates the cells and the growth factors. What about actually using cells? So that's when 2017, I started doing bone marrow aspirate, bone marrow aspirate concentrate, and the results were even more impressive. And I was just a novice at it. Um, and I was clearly not charging how much, you know, based on the cost it costs, because it's expensive to do, as you know. So I wasn't really all that that savvy with it yet. And then I knew a rep who I was doing total knees back then. And I, I was, I thought robotic would be the way to go. So I got trained on the robotic surgery and then my hospital didn't want to do it. They didn't want to put the money into it. And so I never ended up, they never did it until more recently. And this rep said, Hey, I got this laser thing. And he's like, he brought it by and I'm like, all right, well, leave the laser here and I'll try it on my calf that I tore in the New York marathon like two years ago. And it keeps bothering me. And I mean, honestly, it healed it, which was amazing because every time I tried to train for another marathon, I would re-injure it. So to me, that and working on my medial epicondylitis from doing pull-ups, I was like, wow, there's something to this as well. And I researched into that. And then 
that's when I really started getting more into, you can call it cash pay, non-insurance, self-pay, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, that stuff's not covered by insurance. But the company that I worked with, um, Cutting Edge Lasers, they gave you some training. And then there was another company that I worked with, consulting company, and they taught us more how to talk to patients about this, how to present it to them as an option, how to offer cash pay or self-pay services and scripts and all those types of things. And so that's really where I learned how to offer patients things that weren't covered by insurance, but had such a benefit. And if you explain it the right way to them, you know, they're going to want to do it. And so I think that really got me into more of the self-pay stuff. And then, I mean, if you want me to keep going, I can, I can keep going along my journey. Yeah. Absolutely. So percent-wise right now, how much cash-based services do you provide versus insurance-based services? Yeah, I think last month it was 70s, 70s percent non-insurance and the rest was insurance. It's probably 60-40 at the least and 75-25 at the most right now. Maybe even some months a little higher, some months a little bit less. So last month, yeah, I was pretty impressed by what it was last month as things that were not based through insurance. And what happened for me was I was offering all these things, but I was kind of doing them a la carte. The only thing that I was really kind of pushing was laser because no needles, no shots, no known side effects, very, very safe, cleared by the FDA since 2009. It's almost a no brainer, like doesn't hurt. It's a very, it's non-invasive. So patients would pretty much go along with that. And it wasn't super expensive. I was probably undercharging by the way, for what my costs were. And, and I was at the time, but when COVID hit, I was still doing total knees at that time. I referenced total knees. So I was still doing them. And what happened was the hospital shut down. So I couldn't do total knees. So I always say something good comes out of something bad. I think telemedicine was one good thing that came out of COVID. And so for me, what came out of COVID that was good was this knee repair, not knee replacement. Basically, these people, they couldn't get a knee replacement. And they're like, is there anything we can do? Because we didn't know when things were going to open back up. It could be two years, three years. Who knew? Maybe, you know. And so I'm like, well, I have these things that I do. I do these bone marrow cells. I do the this PRP. I have laser. I have this total body metabolic fitness. I have other things that we offer. I'm thinking about putting all these things together in a package or a program. And do you want to do it? And it's not covered by insurance. They're like, well, I don't care. I want to get, you know, they were willing to pay because they had no other choice and they'd been through everything else and knee replacement wasn't available. Well, we started doing this, putting these together And again, we were probably massively underpricing them because we didn't really know, had the training and know how to check all our costs and all that stuff. But point was people were getting really quite a bit better. And to the point where I even got a trademark that says knee repair, not knee replacement, because I knew there was, I don't think that's made that much difference for me to get that, but it just proves how committed I am to knee repair, not knee replacement. And what happened was I actually was, I really want to get more into like, the biologics and all that. So I started watching more webinars, going to joining the Biologics Association, going to more courses, all that stuff. And the more I got into it, the more I saw different people talking. And then I happened to come across Macalogli, who you know, and he's more of the business part of things. And, you know, I got his book, plug for Matt. I read it three times and then I started working with him. And that I think was the key to really understanding how to offer these amazing non-insurance programs to people. And you're afraid to talk to them about, you know, getting paid what you're worth 
I mean, veterinarian has no problem saying it's 10,000 for that ACL, right? But we're not used to that. We don't get any training. We're used to insurance. We're not salespeople. I mean, we want to just get people better. So I think learning the business, that's when I really started learning, learning a lot of the business about this. Sure. So what do you think has been your most important business decision to date? Well, my most important business decision to date ever was leaving the practice that I was in back when I first started. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are your main benefits that you've experienced since you've been aggressively integrating orthobiologics into your practice? If you were talking to your buddies from your fellowship and saying, hey, here's why orthobiologic integration is a no-brainer. You can do X, Y, and Z. What would you tell them? Well, the cool thing is most of those people that you talked about, the people from my fellowship, were pretty similar mindset. You're sports medicine, you know, right? We want to get people better. First of all, we want to prevent injuries, right? I mean, you can prevent 50 to 75% of ACL tears. There's not enough emphasis on that. But preventing stuff is really important. But, you know, when we treat people, we want to treat them in a minimally invasive fashion as possible and get them back as quick and safely as possible. And orthobiologics checks all those boxes, like amazingly. So number one, mindset wise, that's what we want, all of us, right? So that's easy. Like they get that. Okay. But the hesitation is, does it really work? Well, it like, we've had enough experience, you and I, it doesn't, it makes you excited, right? It, it makes your whole team so excited. Like, wow, like this patient, all we did was take stuff from them. It's their body healing themselves. We're taking stuff from them. We're maybe concentrating it. And we're taking it and putting it exactly where it needs to go. We're using an ultrasound, we're using flora, whatever, because we want to make sure we get it in the perfect spot. But like they're healing themselves. We're just helping that. And it's so cool. And even with laser, like their body is healing itself. The laser is just stimulating their mitochondria to produce more ATP and release nitric oxide and all those things that it does. So it's just super exciting. You can see how I'm getting excited about it now. That's the thing. Like it really works, right? You know that. It's amazing. It actually, it really, really works. And so... When you start seeing those results, it gets super exciting. Mm-hmm. You feel like you've been re-energized about medicine and about your practice since you've kind of gone all in with orthobiologics. Thousand percent. I mean, it's not an easy process. Everybody practices are different. For me, like for someone who's got an embedded insurance practice and you're trying to transition your team where you, at one point you might've had four, I, like at one point I was close to 50 staff members, you know, oh my goodness. <laughs> years ago, right. And you are trying to transition into this type of a practice here. And it's completely different. Like when you want to get busier in an insurance practice, it, you basically, when you want to make more money in insurance practice, your overhead basically goes up pretty much equally with your revenue. You can only increase revenue by massively increasing your overhead. You know, it's pretty parallel. So you never make a ton of profit. With this, it's different, you know, and so you have to get out of that mindset. In order to bring in revenue in the insurance, you have to increase your overhead, which means a ton of staff and you don't need a ton of staff. So when you're transitioning from an insurance practice where everybody that was their mindset into what I'm doing now, there are challenges there. Now, if you're starting brand new on your own, I think there's challenges there too, but that's pretty exciting too. And with the help of people like you and Matt, and I'm I'm more than willing to help. And there's a lot of us, as you know, are willing to help. It's not daunting and it's possible and it's possible for a big group to do, but I think the bigger the group, the more daunting it's going to be. But for someone who's in solo practice, like I was to make that decision was a lot easier. And so I absolutely, am energized. I'm putting a lot of time and effort into it, but I know it's going to pay off. And it already is, but 
you know, there's a lot of other secondary issues that I have to get away from that had to do with that other practice that I'm still dealing with. But once those are all gone, then yeah, I mean, I'm super energized. I had no hope before. I didn't know what I could do. It's just like, okay, we're getting a lot less, you know, we're getting $1,500 for a surgery and that covers, you know, an ACL reconstruction. Maybe if you're lucky, sometimes you get 900 or 700 or whatever. And that covers the pre-op visit. It might be with your PA, your nurse. It covers your billing. It covers your surgery scheduler getting it all set up. It covers you doing the surgery. Maybe you have an assistant. It covers 90 days afterwards. It covers your front office scheduling all those appointments. There's no way that $1,500 covers that. And the only way you can do that is you can become a factory like some of these, you know, big groups. They build their own surgery center. They you know, for total knees and they just, it's a factory and they have very low margins, but that's how they make a profit by just pumping people through there. And we know 25 to 30% of knee replacements are unnecessary. Uh, and that's yeah. where, that's the least, that's at the least where we can come in and to help. Yeah. So, I mean, that what you're talking about is that volume solution to try to make it on, on volume instead of on quality. You're trying to make money on the volume solution and patients see that and they don't really understand the why. And so, you know, I'm sure you've talked to your patients about why it is that you can't spend an hour with them if they're paying through their insurance. Now, if they want to pay cash and chat for an hour, I'm happy to talk with them for the entire hour because I'm getting paid what I'm worth to be able to keep my doors open and pay my staff and all those things. So that's that's a very different conversation. And, you know, I, well, honey, um, turns out if I see you for insurance, your insurance is going to pay me $47 to see you. And they're like, what? Yep. I can't even pay my staff for the $47 that, that your insurance is going to pay me. I'm so sorry. She's like, well, you have to go. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, I do. But I hear you. So I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, what do you think the biggest challenge has been in the last, you know, five to 10 years from a personal standpoint? What has been the most challenging part of this journey to be where you are now? I mean, the most challenging part has not been to make the decision to go to eventually go try to go full non-insurance. I think the hardest thing has the most challenging thing has been, you know, executing it. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the benefits of the orthobiologics or even the, you know, my I have a very good understanding now of how to present this to patients and and all those things. It's just getting free from the shackles of what a 25 been in practice 25 years, you know, 25, you know, maybe 23 years of full insurance and getting extracted from that. It's very challenging and keeping your staff motivated. Like they get excited about this as well, but there's a lot of work on their part and I owe them a ton. And you know, your staff, you always preach about how, you know, your staff is, awesome and how they, you know, really do so much for you. And I mean, that's challenging, but that's also leadership. It's challenging. But to me, the, the challenging is all the, all the, all these little things that are still popping up from the past insurance practice that I have to get rid of. And that will happen. But to me, that's been the biggest challenge. But, you know, motivating your staff is no matter what you run a business, motivating people, leading people. That's a challenge, but I mean, I like it. I like that. I just, I don't like the challenge of all the stuff we have to do to divest from a insurance practice that I've had for 25 years and full insurance, you know, for the most part, 
22 or 23 years. That's the part. Yeah. If you were telling somebody, oh man, you got to go cash, get out of insurance. What are the top three things you would say you need to do these, these three things tomorrow? I think we talk, well, I'll kind of work backwards and I might have you remind me of that question in a second too, if I get off guard or, if, or off topic. But one is definitely what I started to do was I gave plenty of examples to my staff. I sent a bunch of emails. I would send emails about like, this is what we got reimbursed for this. This is what we got reimbursed for that. This is, and they, it was eye-opening for them. Just like you mentioned to a patient, it's eye-opening that you're getting $47 for the visit. And it was very eye-opening. And then they get upset and you do kind of need, I mean, you need a common kind of goal to work toward, or even a common, if you want to say enemy for that matter. I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, insurance companies are good for lots of things that I'm not going to, but they're bad for lots of things too. And, but they have, they have their own, it's what they do but they are kind of the common enemy in some ways. And so you have to show what these insurance companies are are doing and expecting of us and it's not right. And so get them on board. That's one, you know, or little by little, try to get them on board at, you know, go into your own books and figure out what your real costs are and what you're actually really bringing in, you know? And then I think the third thing I would do is make sure you have a good list. Like if you've been in practice a while, you know, even if you have a list of 3,000 patients, I mean, I had 30,000. Some people might have 10,000. Some people might have 50,000. Like, be very happy that you have a list and use that list. You'll market to your list to start with. I'm sure you've been through all this, but like, that is how you get started. You have a lot of people who know, like, and trust you as, as, as Matt talks about all the time. And if you're successful in your insurance practice, you'll be successful in this as well, because those people already know, like, and trust you. And those are the first people that you're going to send emails to and try to get in and talk to talk to about this. And not all of them are going to go for it, but a lot of them will spread the word as well for you. So if you have a list, like I, I would start with that first. And that's fine. You can use your insurance, the insurance to still get the patients in the door. But use your list if you want to start talking to patients about this. I think that's probably if you're already in practice, that's the key, I think. Great. What information would you, do you wish that you had at the outset of this journey that would have maybe given you a shortcut? So a lot of people like to say, what, you know, this is the problem. That's the problem. This is the problem, et cetera. I always tell my staff, you know, how, not what, you know, like that's one thing, but the probably more important thing is that I learned is who, not how. That's going to get you there a lot faster. So complaining about what, 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 we need to do this, we need to do that. We need to, no, how are we going to do that, right? That's really important. But that still takes a lot of time. And you're always going to have to do some of that. But if you can find somebody like yourself or like Matt or like I said, myself or some someone else who already has been there and done that, that is going to always going to give you a shortcut. So that is the biggest shortcut is... Who, not how, if I have to say. Great. Yeah, that's so good. Meaning that, you know, you have to make sure that you have someone that's on your team, you know, but leading you or at least providing examples or saying, no, you're doing it right. And hey, have you thought about this or that? But also, I think that this goes a little bit further as to who's on your team, because a really good team can get you through those rough patches where you're like, I don't know, <laughs> this may not be, this may not work. 
And then it turns out that it's fantastic. But I think if you are all alone trying to put, drive and do the ship and do all of the things, I think it's a little harder than if you have a nice team that's really everybody's on board and saying, yes, and I'm going to do this piece. And yes, I'm going to do that piece. And yes, I'm going to take this on and be the owner of this piece. I think that makes being a solo practitioner and an entrepreneur much um, more palatable, but also it, it just, you know, sharing that load makes it easier to be able to do those things. You got to get to educate the team as to what you're trying to do, get them on board. The people yep. who aren't on board, you know, yeah, they have to go. Yeah. And sometimes even people that are on board, I mean, there's, you know, you have to sometimes make tough choices there too, even to people, really, really good people. So that's really, right. really, really, really hard. But you're absolutely right. The team is the key. Like you can't do it on your own. So, you know, getting your team on board, having great people in great areas, which we're very, I'm very lucky. I had that. You've met some of my team or know some of my team from some of the calls we have and everything. I mean, they're they're on those calls with Matt, you know, just about every time. So yeah. they're, in, they're totally all in and they are willing to take up a lot of this. And you're thousand percent right in what you just said. Sure. And I think the one thing that you said that I think a lot of business owners get nervous about is that transparency, sharing all of the things about the business. And I have always been really transparent. But the one thing that I did that I think really increased my transparency or my ability to share is I actually drafted a non-disclosure agreement. So all of my employees have signed a non-disclosure agreement that they're not going to share all the goods that we talk about. And then that allows me to feel like I can talk about any darn thing that is going in our business without worrying about who's going to know or, you know, where that information is going to be. And so we talk about pricing. We talk about, you know, the cost of business. We talk about staffing. We talk about salary. We talk about all of the things. And this is a, it's an ongoing dialogue in our, in our company because we all have the same goal. And so if we can talk about everything very, very transparently, and I think that's one of the things you were alluding to is like, Hey guys, this is where we're getting paid. This is why, this is the why behind why we're moving forward with non-insurance-based care is because we can't keep the doors open if we take insurance. This is a ship going down if we only take insurance. So when you see that, uh, they're like, oh gosh, well, we can't, we can't make a living wage by that. So neither can you. Um, and so then that aligns everybody's goals and values in the same sphere. And it just like supercharges that, that teamwork. Thousand percent. Yep. It comes down to trust. I mean, our values, you know, our core values, trust is number one. Then we have take initiative. We have excellence, empathy, all in is a big one, accountability, reliability, and resiliency. Uh, being able to handle, you know, things that get constantly get thrown at you, surprises, things like that. But trust is number one. You got to have the trust and that's huge. Yep, absolutely. So what advice would you give a physician, a busy sports med physician that sees the writing on the wall and they're like, oh man, this is, I, I see the writing on the wall. I, I'm experiencing that decline in reimbursement. I'm working harder for less money. I think I want to add both a biologic and cash practice. What advice would you give them? Maybe like two things that are really to give, to drive that impetus to say, 
you know, just do it or, Hey, get your eggs in, you know, in one basket or two baskets. What would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to go to your course and <laughs> the, the, the business of orthobiologics, just sign up and go, um, and probably do that. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm not, I'm not saying that because you're egging me on to say that at all. Oh, I'm thank you. I'm saying that because a, I know what you're doing and B I'm all on board with that, but it's the who not how thing, right? I mean, you can do it. I would tell them you can do it. You know, you think you can't, et cetera. You can do it. I was in your exact same shoes. And, you know, do you want to keep seeing 60 patients in a day and doing like, you know, 10 or more surgeries in a day and just, you know, and then look at what you're actually getting reimbursed for that. And, you know, I think, I think Don Buford, didn't he put something out that like in a few years, orthopedic surgeons are going to be getting paid like $11 an hour to do surgery. Something like yeah. that. It's going to add up to that. It's terrible. Yeah, People don't realize that. They just don't realize that. And and it is easy for the insurance companies to just beat on us because we're not, you know, we went into business medicine to help people. If you didn't go into medicine to help people, then you're probably not in it for the right reason. And I, this is just kind of a, a little backstory, but when I was interviewing for medical school, I was told, don't tell them when they ask you why you go on to go into medicine that, you know, that you want to help people. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So I still said I wanted to help people. I didn't care what, what they told me. And so I tell, I have a lot of PA students who come through and, you know, I tell them, you should always be proud of that. Like, that's why you went into it. Right. But what didn't happen is no one taught us how to do business or how to do any of that other stuff. And right. so again, you know, you can still, you can still help people even probably better than you thought you could. And you you'll get more satisfaction. You'll spend more time with them. I mean, that's, that's helping people. Like I spend an hour with people. No, there's not many orthopedic surgeons, you know, there's no way that they spend an hour with patients. You know, my average appointments yeah. are either a half hour or an hour. And they're like, wow, you can't do that. You can't say there's ways to do it. Right. Go to someplace who already talk to someone who already knows. I mean, you can put my, I'm willing to talk to people too. You can put my, my email down or my website or whatever, but you know, yeah. go someplace where you can learn. And I think, you know, give the info on your course and go to the course. Cool. Well, so yeah, that brings me to that. How do people get in touch with you? Um, do you have some social media or is it email or are you on your website? What's the best way to for people to kind of check out what you're doing? Uh, do you have a, a YouTube account? Are you yeah, doing we, got, we got about a million things. So Tell um, me all your goods. Well, first of all, I would say if you want to get in touch with us, I think just info at victorysportsmedicine.com, that email that would be good. You can obviously call 315-685-7544. You can call that as well, but I think the email works good. But also our website, victorysportsmedicine.com, also victoryinmotion.com. There's a couple websites. And then, yeah, we have a YouTube channel, Victory Sports Medicine. We have Instagram. I have my own personal Instagram and we also have a company Instagram. We have Facebook. We have, you know, so Victory Sports Medicine on anything, TikTok, LinkedIn, Dr. Mark Petropoli. So there's a lot of different ways to get in touch with us. But if you really wanted to just, you know, all hours of the night, get in touch with us, info at victorysportsmedicine.com is probably the best way because several people look at that email every day. Awesome. Awesome. 
Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing your journey. And it's been, it's so inspiring to be able to know people like you. Also, so many people are looking at you going, oh my gosh, that is me. I could totally do that. And, uh, you know, stop banging my head against the wall, making $700, making, doing an ACL reconstruction. So I just wanted to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and away from your patients to come on and share that information with us. This has been the Business of Orthobiologics. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you want to know more, please visit uh, prp-now.com. You can click and get a free masterclass. Or more importantly, we're having a live event called the Business of Orthobiologics. It's in Dallas at the end of March, March 22nd, 23rd. Please call, you know, come by. It's an amazing event and it's going to be the business of not only how to establish a cash practice, but also how to market, how to talk to patients about cash and orthobiologics, the science behind orthobiologics, and and how to really succeed. So uh, also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or check out my YouTube channel for more guidance on integrating orthobiologics in your busy practice today. So thanks again for joining us. I really appreciate everybody's time. This has been the Business of Orthobiologics podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to know more, please join us on the website prp-now.com and click on the free masterclass. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get more guidance on integrating PRP in your busy practice. Bye for now.